they've seen, you know, close to the, the Lightning's best. And, you know, for the most part, they were, they were right there. At some point, you're going to have to outscore this team. And, and Waltram gives you a better option of doing that. Game one was just weird. The, the, the Lightning just weren't in the mood. And tonight they were. And then they served cupcakes. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 99. And it was the, uh, I guess, the bound to happen episode. I don't think anyone thought the Islanders were going to sweep the lightning. And they come out of Tampa with a split in the first two games after a 4-2 loss in game two. And hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross. I'm on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. And as always through this playoff run, I'm, I'm joined by Neil Best at Sportswatch and Colin Stevenson at Colin S Newsday. And we're going to discuss the Islanders 4-2 loss in which the defending Stanley Cup champion Lightning looked very much like the defending Stanley Cup champions and the Islanders, they, they didn't play. It wasn't like they were off and they didn't play an awful game. It was just that the Lightning played a much better game from game one. And that, of course, will lead into Thursday's pivotal game three at Nassau Coliseum. And uh, th- this is where the Islanders have been in every series so far, tied 1-1 going into game three. And in fact, in the first two rounds, they wound up down 2-1 before winning the last three. So, Colin, Neil, how, how are you feeling about the Islanders after seeing the way the Lightning play the way they did tonight? Obviously, you have to feel less good than after game one. However, <laughs> you know, it's like, this was almost like what happens in the NBA, much more so than in hockey, where you, you know, certain playoff games, you kind of know who's going to win before it starts because that's just the way things work and that's the proper order of things. And in hockey, there's much less order than there is in basketball. But this reminded me of one of those NBA series where you're like, well, yeah, of course, the Lightning are going to win. That's just the way this is going to go. And they did. And, you know, moving forward, all, all it did was remind everyone of how good they are and how big the challenge is to the Islanders. Certainly doesn't mean the Islanders can't, can't do this, but it was kind of a, yeah, it was a reality check that game one was the aberration, not this game. Uh, game one was just weird. The, the, the lightning just weren't in the mood and tonight they were. Well, actually, Neil, I mean, w- watching the game live, what I came away from was the, the sense that this is going to be a pretty long series because, you know, it was 4-2 and the Islanders made some mistakes in the third period and it, it sort of got away from them. It was 4-1. But honestly, I, I really felt like through 40 minutes, the Islanders were right there with this team, even with the Lightning playing much better, even with Andre Vasilevsky not allowing a, a single questionable goal tonight. He, he played like the best goalie uh, in the league, certainly in the first period when he stuffed Zajac at the left post and then made a sweeping glove save on uh, Kyle Palmieri that was just brilliant right. at the right post. So, you know, I, I, I kind of came away with this, you know, with, with, with almost some, you know, better feelings about the Islanders' chances in the series just because, you know, I, I think they've seen, you know, close to the, the Lightning's best. And, you know, for the most part, they were, they were right there. 
Yeah, I think uh, one of the there's a couple of encouraging things to take to take from it if if you're rooting for the Islanders, and one of those is the fact that you know they they took five. Well, I shouldn't say they took five penalties. Uh, they were shorthanded five times, right. uh, and they they only gave up the one power play goal, which is one out of five. And as Barry Trot said, that's you know that's twenty percent, which is half of what they were hitting at yeah. uh, before tonight. Obviously, you don't want to give them five power plays, so that's that's not encouraging. But the encouraging part is you did slow their power play down a little bit. So now, uh, you know, your penalty killers get some confidence. Maybe uh, you know, um, you put a little doubt in the minds of uh, of Tampa Bay's power play that that it's going to be automatic. So that's that's a good sign. And I think you know, getting a goal. I mean, you're down four one. You don't quit. You get a goal there with three minutes left to make it four two. You know, they didn't get a shot when they pulled the goalie and then and, and had, you know, pulled the goalie and, and had six on five for two minutes and somehow didn't get a shot on goal at that point. But there are, as you say, uh, positive things that you can take from it, good signs that you could take from it if you're an Islanders fan. I mean, I don't, I don't disagree with you guys that the Islanders were not – I don't think the Islanders were terrible. And I do think they can definitely play with this team. However – I, if I'm an Islanders fan or just me coming away, I, I see that first line looking like that and Nikita Kucherov looking like Magic Johnson with no look passes and that great, the other great setup he had to pull out. And uh, I mean, they, they look to me like the better team tonight, which they were. Um, and again, I'm not saying the Islanders can't play with this team, but I mean, I just watched that team and that this is what we were. This is what was supposed to happen in this series. They look like they're better than tonight. They look like they're better than the Islanders. And given the firepower they have, there's no reason they can't sustain that. Well, yeah, no, I was going to say one negative in the game was that Braden point between Andrej Palat and Nikita Kucherov line was, you know, they had nine shots through two periods and that's what they wound up with. But nine shots through two periods after just getting three in game one, and I, I think they combined for five points, uh, Point and Palat, both with goals, Kucherov with three assists, and they looked, like you said, like like a dominant five-on-five five line that the Islanders had a lot of trouble keeping up with. And, you know, that, that, that certainly is uh, an area of concern going forward. One thing I thought that was in the Islanders' ledger, it was, it was very clear that the Lightning came out looking to take the body. And, and they did that in game one, too, and the Islanders wore them down, and, and not so much in this game, which turned into a really chippy affair. Uh, you got a combined 54 penalty minutes, uh, and, and that included stuff after the final buzzer. You got Leo Komarov. Uh, with a 10-minute misconduct and, you know, uh, two minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct. And, you know, you, you got Braden Point barreling into Semyon Varlamov after being... Hey, oh, wait, 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 wait. Yeah, no, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. We're not going to give you that one. But, but uh, we'll get to that in a minute. As far as the fighting stuff goes, that that is one area where as much as the Lightning came out trying to do that today... That, that is an area where the Islanders are just better at that stuff. And if the, the Lightning are not going to be able to, like, slug their way to intimidate the Islanders. No, no, no. I was going to say, if if the series continues this way, that's that's a real advantage for the Islanders, yeah. especially 
next two games at Nassau Coliseum. So yes, I, I agree with that. It came out the the Lightning did clearly looking to start trouble. They wanted to get themselves awake and they wanted to do so immediately. I mean, they realized that they more or less slept through game one. Um, you know, I think they got caught by surprise in game one. They didn't, they didn't have enough respect for the Islanders. I mean, you know, they figured they, they beat this team last year and they were going to beat them again this year and, you know, whatever. And then they, it, it was a rude awakening for them. So I think they came in with a, with a mindset of, you know, let's stir some stuff up and get the juices flowing and, and that'll get us on the right track. And, and, you know, listen, it worked for them, you know, I guess, but I, I, I agree with you both. I don't think that long-term that that's, that's the, you know, the best plan for them in, in this series against this team. Great point did not barrel in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I did say Adam Pellick pushed him. Hey, he did not barrel into him implies that he did it like he he was the instigator. I believe you also said Adam Pellick made contact with him. How, made you know contact with him. How did this suddenly turn into a Rip on Andrew session? Oh, why not? No, no, I'm <laughs> Team. I'm on your we're, we're, we're a brotherhood here, just like Jason Pajot says. Okay, he, 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 the guy he got pushed into the goalie. I mean, how was that a penalty? Oh, well, I mean, it was one for one. The, the refs messed that up, and then they messed up the too many men on the ice on the uh, on the key goal for uh, for the lightning Palat's goal. There were there were seven lightning on the ice for that. Yeah. The interesting thing about that, that um, you know, point barreling into Varlamov is that, you know, the guy takes out their goalie and there was no, you know, usually when that happens, there's a, there's a scrum that comes from that because people are defending their goalie. I don't remember that happening. That was one of the few times I don't remember one of those. I don't know. I don't think Islanders blame Braden Point for that. Something almost broke out because the yeah. Islanders instinctively went after point. Right. Oh yeah, you're right. They, then, they did it just sort of right as, as yeah. a, just out of, out of sort of. Yeah, it was a knee-jerk reaction, but yeah, no, I, and, and, and Braden point after the game was, you know, very honest saying he was so happy that Varlamov was okay. He was really happy to see Varlamov come back into the game uh, to start the second period. And, Ilya Sorokin comes in, makes six saves. He he looked pretty good, you know. I, I, but uh, do do Can't I do need, better than six out of six, man? Yeah. Do I need to ask who's starting in Game Three? <laughs> no. No. I no. think Barlamov will start Game Three. Yeah. No, if, if he loses it, you never know. But I don't think he's going to not start Game Three. No, I, I, I agree with that. And since Neil has spoken, because you're Mr. Perfect on... Right. He's Mr. Goalie. Barry listens to these things. We have a huge listenership, but Barry's out there. I think he might have some sort of burner account where he listens to our podcast. <laughs> I think he's tired of listening to our voices based on, on the Zoom calls the last couple oh, of he, days. Oh, he's getting salty with you. He was... Well, he doesn't like how many questions you ask. I'm thinking, well, no, good for Andrew because we're not allowed follow-ups anymore. So you have every right to ask two questions. 
And yeah. Barry's like, how many questions is this guy going to ask? Well, if you notice, he didn't answer my question on Jean Gabriel. <laughs> Molly Walker of the Post was like, she's sitting next to me. And she was like, well, I'm going to have to follow up and make sure he answers this question. And you know, these, I mean, I'm not going to whine about Zooms in this forum. However, uh, you know, this is an example of the challenge is that you've got to ask Barry two questions because this is your one shot. And uh, he didn't like how many questions you asked him. <laughs> Oh, that's yeah, and, and, and it was funny because uh, I, I think he said the same exact thing to me in the morning access because I, I, I asked a question. He was like, "Oh, well, you're getting a lot into that, you know." <laughs> yeah, Barry, we got no choice here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, these uh, that that's sports writer whining, but it was a hey, look. It's hey, not sports writer whining. It's 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 us having less opportunity to provide fans with as much information as we would like to. You, you noticed I did stay silent through the player interviews just because the, the, the gosh darn organist was having at it again. And for, for whatever reason with my laptop, if I, I, I can't use the headphones with Zoom. I put the headphones in and any other thing I listen to on my computer, the sound comes through the headphones. But for whatever reason, live Zoom it doesn't pick up the headphones. So I have no option. And the organist, uh, what was he playing? He, was, he wasn't playing Asian music. He was playing like <laughs> or something. I, and he just kept droning on and on. And it went through both, both sets of player interviews. And I'm like, and you guys know, I was like texting you questions. You know, so the players aren't ragging on me for having a party because they lost, you know? Weren't the fans gone by this point? Like, why is he playing the organ? I don't know. The, the, the only people in the arena, while the organist is having a grand old time, <laughs> is us in the press box and the workers cleaning the stands. It's exasperating. You're coming home for the next two games where everything will be everything will be right. You'll have your Italian cold cut sub. It's all going to be good. I got to tell you, the, the medium meals down here in Tampa were pretty good. <laughs> I, I had some chicken picante today, which was really excellent. And there was some steak before game one. Uh, don't count on that Thursday night. Oh, but, but the best part was the garlic mashed potatoes with the cream spinach. <laughs> and then they served cupcakes. I, I was a well-fed sports writer. I was pretty happy. You know? <laughs> Very nice. Well... Yeah. You'll, you'll eat that Italian hero and like it. I actually like it, so it's all good. I, mean, I Yeah, I do, think, I do think this is going to be a long series because I do think the Islanders, you know, will find ways to win games against this team. They are definitely capable of doing it. Well, you, you know what's going to happen. They're going to lose game three, and then they're going to win game four, and then they're going to go back to Tampa. I know, I know, but that's – I mean, that's – I know I said that it would be hard to do that against Boston, but but it would be even harder to do that against this team. So that, yeah, I mean, that's the question. You, I, I don't think they're going to lose the next three games, but can you win three out of five? It's hard. So well, listen, I, I had to pick up my son from the train station after the game, right? Because he went in the city and he went to like at a watch party with with a bunch of uh, Islander fans, and he he came in and he was telling me that there's a dog out there that apparently made predictions on the first two uh, series and the dog picked the Islanders to beat the Bruins in six games. So the dog was obviously correct. And the dog has picked the Islanders to win this series in seven games. 
coming back from a 3-1 deficit. So can what's going to happen, according to this dog, is that he's going to lose both games at the Coliseum and then, you know. Can I ask you a question about this yeah. dog? Yeah. Was its name Mr. Peabody? <laughs> I don't know. I was just like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> I was like, it's a dog. He goes, yeah, they got it right the last series. <laughs> I would not suggest the Islanders going down three games to one against this team, but it's hockey, so stranger things have happened. If the Islanders do not have the services of Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and, and he did not play the last, I believe it was about the last 13 minutes or so, and, and Barry was asked by me and then by Molly Walker about Jean-Gabriel Pajot, and Barry Trot said that he had just tweaked something. But, you know, with the game 4-1 at that point, Barry did not want to risk further injury to Jean-Gabriel Pajot. So, he, you know, just kept him on the bench, didn't give him another shift. And he expects Pajot to be fine for game three. And he seemed very sincere in that answer. And you, and you want to take that at face value. But then again, if Pajot is really hurt, why would you give the Lightning a heads up on that? That answer was unusual, I thought. Um, well, mean, what's unusual about it? What's he supposed to say? He didn't bench him for disciplinary reasons. Well, no, I'm saying that if he benched him, then he's the in, he must be injured. Like the idea that, of oh, no, he's he's injured. no, but I mean, he's that's my point. He's saying no big deal. He'll be fine for the next game. Well, I, I don't, I'm not so sure about that. If he was willing to bench him for that long in a huge game. You know, we've all done this long enough to know. And, and, you know, an old sports writer buddy of mine once told me many years ago, never underplay an injury. What is Barry supposed to say? He tweaked something. He'll be fine for the next game. Is he Is he supposed to say, oh, I'm really worried. He may not play 50-50. Oh, I mean, you could no, say. No, he's not going to say any of that. You could say, we don't know. I mean, that's okay to say, we'll see. I mean, I mean, the real answer is we'll see, of course, but I, yeah, that would obviously be a huge loss. Yes, and I mean, I guess the explanation is everyone is day-to-day -day at this point, right? You know, everyone has a tweak or is playing through something, but hey, you know who looked a lot better in game two than he did in game one? Oh. Which is also an issue for the Islanders, potentially. Victor Hedman looked like Victor Hedman tonight. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and, and those were the the uh, the the Jan Ruda goal to make it three one, which which turned out to be the winner uh, early in the third period, and that was a rising shot that uh, that was the one that beat Varlamov over the, the the his blocker, I believe, and, and you know maybe he should stop that one, but the the Ruda goal, and then followed uh, by the Victor Hedman goal to make it four one on the power play at nine seventeen of the third period those represent the first goals the lightning have gotten in the playoffs from defensemen um but i i was watching headman tonight and look we we all know he can take over playoff series if he gets going and and he looked like he was you know he was boarding that train at times tonight you know what I found interesting, Andrew, just in looking at the stats, that that he did not lead them in ice time. Actually, McDonough led them in ice time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which I thought was a little curious. Uh, I wonder if he's 
playing and and he's some, somewhat nicked up. Uh, oh, no, no. I, I don't think there's any doubt that Victor Hedman is playing through something. I mean, it's just a matter of how serious it is, but he looked like whatever issue he has was not impacting him in this game. He was whipping the puck around. He took a really hard shot, um, and I thought he was skating really nicely tonight. You know, speaking of um, the, the high-powered lightning, you know, I, I know this is a hockey pod, but, you know, the most dramatic sports event tonight in New York happened in Brooklyn, not in the Islanders' lightning game. But it really – I was thinking about the, the, though the interesting contrast between basketball and hockey because in basketball, Kevin Durant can decide to be, you know, supernatural and single-handedly beat a team in a huge game – and in hockey, no matter how much talent these guys have, it just doesn't work that way. It's it's too one guy can't win a game like that. And that's one of the beauties of hockey is that no matter how much talent these guys have, the Islanders can beat them with a team game. And in basketball, sometimes Kevin Durant can win a game by himself. You know, it, it, it's an excellent point, but I, I didn't think you were going to talk about the Nets there. I thought you were talking about the International Cornhole Championships in Brooklyn tonight. <laughs> Um, yeah, so, uh, so whichever lightning player you want to pick, Kucherov or who, any of these guys, you know, none of them can do what Kevin Durant did because hockey doesn't work that way. Actually, speaking of Kucherov, I think it's a good time now to bring Colin Stevenson in on that and to just rip the lightning again for circumventing the cap. All I got to say is, man, it's a good thing that he got healthy in time for the playoffs, isn't it? <laughs> I got a, I got a, uh, when, when I took a little shot at Kucherov on Twitter saying something like he's worth every penny over the salary cap they paid him. Uh, our, my, friend, my friend Aaron Andrews from Fox, whose first job in sports was covering the lightning. Right. And, you know, was from down there. I got a little eye roll from her on that one. Uh, but but um, it's, it's, a, it's a sensitive topic. Um, but it's true. I mean, what it's true. What are you going to do? The guys, uh, yeah, he's. Well, I mean, and, and listen, in fairness, in fairness to them, that is not Tampa Bay's problem, right? It's the NHL that allowed yeah. them. To do. No, they, they, they played within the rules. Yes, sure. they, they, they used whatever mechanisms were available to them. I just don't like having my intelligence insulted by saying, oh, this guy <laughs> could not have played. He was not healthy. He really wasn't healthy. He had the surgery in what December, and he could have had it in October. Um, uh, you know, I don't know. Well, well, he looks fully recovered now. He he <laughs> seems to be okay. If I were the Islanders, I would test out that hip and uh, you know, maybe a couple of hip checks or whatever, and you know, just just make sure he's he's hundred percent. Well, he was hard to catch tonight. I mean, he was making. I mean, that pass he made on the first goal to. Uh, to, to point right off the right post. That was just an insanely talented pass, you know. Um, the, the second setup for Palat was, I mean, it wasn't quite as cool because he actually was not no look, but also just twisting the Islanders into pretzels and then just sending it over there in a slot. It was... That was such a talented play A through Z because it starts with Headman, you know, with that Headman pass, right? a Headman pass from Headman. You think, uh, is that a, well, anyway. Um, but, but, but. Yeah. 
Seven players on the ice. Seven players on the ice. That so helps. I don't even count that. Doesn't count for me. Well, it cheated again. <laughs> and, and, and that disappointed Barry Trotz. Yeah. Was, yeah. No, yeah, I mean, I mean you know, yeah, I could tell reading his lips on the video that he was, yeah, he was telling the refs he was very disappointed in them. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think the refs had not a great night. Oh, I mean, that's, that's soft selling it. They were, it was, it was a rough, physical game that was sort of getting away from them and then they didn't contribute to it at all in terms of controlling things because the things they did call weren't penalties and what they you know it was that Beauvillier penalty like I'm trying to saw the replay and even the guys on TV were like "Ah, there's not a lot there (laughs) the same thing with the Komarov interference call it was yeah yeah, I, that, that was the one where Killorn basically just fell down, right? And and Leo, it was it was sort of like, you know, the double play at second base. It was in the area, you know, Leo. <laughs> <laughs> there, there are people out there that think the Islanders are getting the benefit of every call, you know, the refs. And so I I just think that, you know, they got to listen, they got a break on the on the one goalie interference call and they and they took maximum advantage they scored power play goal on it but they didn't get any other breaks i i i forget whether i brought this up to you brock nelson if he had barry trotz as his coach from the start of his career i mean brock nelson is really good right now if he had had barry from the start of his career I, I, I think we're talking about a perennial, perennial all-star at, at minimum. What, may, what makes you say that? I mean, like, what's... Because Brock's career just took off. I mean, he had been a, a third-line center up until the moment Barry really walked into the door. And, and, and Brock Nelson has just been a different player under Barry Trotz. He's, he's a complete player. He's dangerous offensively in a consistent manner. Um, I, you know, he, he's, he, he's one of my favorite players to watch because I, I think he does so many things right. Yeah, but I mean, like, is, it, is, is he a better two-way player or is, is the – because, you know, he, he's, he was a third-line center because, you know, you had a pretty good one as your first-line center yeah. and that guy left. He's a better everything. He, he's okay. better defensively, but he's certainly better offensively. And, you know, there, there are now games where him and his line can take it over you know, which is something I don't think he was doing, you know, much before Barry walked in the door. Yeah, just just a thought. Yeah, uh, you know what, though? As you mentioned his line, though, you know who I'm, I'm, I'm uh, curious to, you know, to, that I would like to see more from is Beauvillier. I mean, it seems like his finishing has dried up. And, uh, you know, I mean, he's getting chances, but it's, he's in that, that mode of he can get all the breakaways he wants. He doesn't seem to be able to put one in that's him through his career. You know, he goes through these really hot streaks and then he, you know, kind of struggles to find the back end of the net. He was a, you know, minus two tonight along with Bailey and along with uh, Nelson, you know, so that line's a minus two tonight. Um, But then again, they're drawing some of the heavier assignments. So, you know, that that's to be expected in a four, two game. Look, it, it would be very good if, if Bo, 
chipped in a couple of goals here or there um, again, as he was earlier in the playoffs. Barzell scores again, although, you know, uh, sort of missed an assignment on a goal earlier in the game. So, you know, kind of one for one there, right? He's always going to be um, more valuable the stuff that he does offensively than what he does defensively. I mean, you want him to not give up too much at the, at the other end, but you know, if you get a goal out of him, I mean, how much more do you want? Yeah, well, I don't know. He could have done something about the organ player instead of calling me out, you know, <laughs> you have uh, any special guests lined up for episode 100 on Thursday. I heard it's going to be 24 hours. That's what I heard. Oh, right. No, we're not doing that. Lou Lamorello might come on, I heard. No, I, I think, um, you know, I, I would like it to be a celebration of us. That's what everybody wants to hear. Yeah. You know, I mean, well, I mean we're, we're going to test the numbers, see what the numbers are like after a loss. We've had four wins in a row, so people are really willing to listen to the podcast. But we'll, we'll see if anyone's out there after a loss. Yeah, that's tough. That's a tough sell. Tough All right, sell. so what do they have to do better? But you know that that one goal, Andrew. You see, you you talked about the uh, the Ruta goal. Yeah. Uh, and you 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 were saying that Varlamov has to stop it, but I, I think he was screened on that one. I you know if you, yeah. if you look at the at the replay, I think um, you know they were talking about a double screen. I don't know if about a double screen, but I think uh, Bailey was like right in the way, and and that shot, you know went into the smallest of potential holes. I mean, I don't, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't kill him for that one. I don't know. I thought he had a pretty good look at it. You know, I don't know. Neil, you were deciding vote. Uh, well, one thing I learned in my days as an NFL beat writer, especially like when it was a big game and like John Madden was doing it, what you observed yourself is completely irrelevant. The TV guys said it was a screen, so it was a screen. Uh, no, yeah, no, no, but no, I'm not, no, no, I'm not saying I disagreed with the TV guys. I'm just saying that that's what the way it was described, and that's what it is. Okay, that's that's fair enough. So I stand corrected, or actually, well, no. Well, then the other thing is, you know, the, if, allowed an opinion. If the guy <laughs> who is who is making the screen is far enough out, then then he still has time to pick it up after he clears the screen. So, I mean, th there is that too. But I also think that, that that shot was a seeing eye shot. I mean, I just don't, it, it's, it's not Marshawn beating him from outside the circle, you know, in overtime to win a game. All right. Well, as, as far as what they need to do better in game three, I mean, obviously we touched upon this on the start. They can't give up that many power plays, um, right? They need to, obviously generate a little bit more offensively um you know they were very balanced across four lines in in game one uh, in game one and in game two I, I didn't necessarily feel that all their lines were as dangerous as they had been in in game one I mean I, I, you gotta hope that you know Vasilevsky you know kind of gives you one here or there again after not really doing this in a game two, and, and, and you got to hope that that home crowd, you know, whatever and however many people they fit into uh, Nassau Coliseum, and we're hearing that, you know, it might be closer to 13,000 than 12,000. And, you know, let me 
stop there for a minute. Um, as I was telling these guys before we started recording, I, I, I have gotten a lot of angry emails from Islanders season ticket subscribers. A lot of people have reached out to me about seat selection and who was able to get tickets for game three and just the ticket buying process. And I know Ticketmaster actually stopped the pre-sale on Tuesday and they've reset it for Wednesday. Um, you know, there was a glitch in the system or whatnot, but I know I've heard from a bunch of people that they weren't able to get the seats that they wanted or they're used to. Um, and some people are questioning the, the order of priority, uh, whereas it doesn't seem like, you know, the, the 1970 tours are, are necessarily getting first choice anymore. So I, I just want to put it out there that I have heard all of you and I, I still have plans to poke around and, and find out what the heck's going on, but I'm going to be traveling much of Wednesday. So I don't think I'll be doing a lot of writing on Wednesday. I'm not diminishing in any way these issues. And I'm sure, you know, I, I don't, because I don't know one way or the other. I'm sure there are issues going on that, that these fans have legitimate concerns over. As a journalist, as a sports writer, one thing I've learned about ticket stuff over the years, for us to get involved, you know, we're, we're trying to write about the team. It's a, these ticket situations tend to be extraordinarily complicated and just something that's very hard for us to, you know, sort of help fans with in terms of reporting about it. Because this, and especially this year with COVID and, and the changing capacities, I mean, it is an incredibly complicated subject that's hard for the team to deal with and impossible for us to deal with. Well, so I, I it's very a, hard. It's very hard. I do have a solution, which is Neil is going to purchase about 500 tickets and, uh, and raffle them off. I've said to you guys before throughout this whole process of ticketing and not just in the Islanders, all, all teams, all sports, you know, just in general, I'm, I'm amazed at the complicated nature of what these teams are trying to accomplish in selling tickets when capacity is changing day by day. Yeah. It, I, I'm not absolving them of, of whatever it is that's going wrong. I'm just saying it's very complicated. Well, in, in another bit of news, and it was, uh, you know, I, I sat in my hotel room uh, working on this story today also, it, it, it seems like there's a, a decent chance um, if they get final approval, there will be a viewing party um, for game five when the series returns to Tampa on Monday night. And uh, there's even a, a chance... I, I was told that that viewing party could be at Nassau Coliseum, uh, which would be very interesting. So, uh, you know, there's that to look forward to. And, you know, and I think those viewing parties do pretty well, you know, uh, across, you know, the NHL when, when people can get together. And now that, you know, I know today was a, a milestone day for New York state as we passed, that 70% threshold and we're officially all open again, right? So congratulations to all of us. So Thursday night we'll be in the Islanders dressing room after the game. That'll be great. I don't think <laughs> that's uh, I do no? not think the NHL is changing its media policies. Oh, okay. All right. Good try. Well, the governor said we're allowed to do whatever we want. So that should mean we're allowed in the dressing room. 
we can do whatever we want. I'm taking a sledgehammer to that dude's organ. <laughs> We're done with him until game five now. No, no. I'm sneaking back into the arena before my flight tomorrow morning, or actually later today as we record. I'm sledgehammering that organ. Anyway, uh, so we're, after beating up the organ and uh, Neil's buying tickets for everyone, anyone else got anything for uh, Game 3 moving forward? No, I have to go to sleep so I can uh, I can write some brilliant prose to get people set up for Game 3 now tomorrow, today, tomorrow, whenever I'm supposed to write this thing. You feel like a music question first? Sure, of course. I That's my that's my uh, specialty, of course. All right. Well, in that case, we're going to wrap up this issue with a couple of Andrew's questions. So I guess we'll, we'll go right to Neil. Now that Oliver Wallstrom is available, which Barry Trott said, would you get him back into the lineup? Wow. That is a really difficult question, but I am going to say yes, even though Zajac has been very effective and useful. But I just think against this team, they need a jolt of offense, a jolt of speed, youth. So I would do it, yes. And Colin, same question goes to you, sir. It's a, it's a done deal. Paggio is not going to play. Zajac will move to center, and then Wasserman will come in and play the wing. Well, in that scenario, of course, yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I, I do think, you know, Zajac took a couple of penalty, minor penalties tonight. I mean, one I thought was not a smart penalty. One I thought was a really soft call, but still – um, if you wanted to make a change, uh, I think you could you could do it after this game and and feel feel like you have reason to do it. So, yeah, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if uh, if Wallstrom does come back in for Game Three. I, I suppose you know Neil will probably be disappointed if his favorite player on the team is is not playing, and that's the reason. Well, the Islanders will be disappointed if he's not <laughs> playing too. But okay. You know what? I, I, I do agree. I, I, I think if Wallstrom is, is healthy, I, I know what Zajac is bringing in terms of experience and all that, and you, you don't want to blow it up just because of one loss here. But, you know, I, I might lean towards trying to get Wally back into the lineup as well. You know, I, I know they play a defensively structured game and you don't want to get into a shootout, but at some point, you're going to have to outscore this team. And, and Waldron gives you a better option of doing that. That's right. Yes. All right. So, Neil. You know what would give them another good option? Who's that? Shooting the puck when you're six on five for the last two minutes. You yeah. Know, just shooting the puck on at, at the actual goalie. Yeah. That would help. All right. Well, Neil, we're going to wrap it up with this. This band, popular through the mid to late 70s into the early 80s, featured the first Black Irishman who truly made it big as a rock star. Can you name that band? Um, well, I know it's not the Carpenters. Um, the Fifth Dimension, Sigh in the Family Stone. 
No, God. Um, the Archies. Throwing stuff out there, I don't know. Debbie Boone. No, no, no. Debbie Boone was not a black Irishman. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Have you heard of a band called Thin Lizzy? The name is familiar, but I don't know any details. The, the well, boys are back in town. I've, I've heard of that song. Yeah. Wait, wasn't that the Bus Boys? No, 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 no. The, it's, it's different songs. Different songs. The boys are back in town. Thin Lizzy, one of my favorite bands, Phil Linnott, the, the bassist singer, Black Irishman, just a brilliant musician, unfortunately died very young, uh, around 37. You know, what's, inter what's interesting is, even though you know much more about music than me, I actually know a decent amount, but you've somehow managed to avoid all of my knowledge with every one of your questions. That's because I probably know nothing about the music that you like. Like, well, ask me a question. I will get it wrong. Ask well, me a question. Well, I don't know. What, what, what group did in the still of the night? White Snake. No, the Five Satins. <laughs> That's it. I'm going to sleep. <laughs> I got I to gotta get, I got to start studying up for game three. I got to get up. I got to write. You got to travel. Let's, let's just do I'm, the listeners a favor. I'm going to finish my sushi first. That is us crashing the boat into the dock, trying to land episode 99 of the Island Ice podcast. I want to thank, as always, Mr. Music, Neil Best at Sports Watch, and Mr. Uh, what, what's that thing? Mr. Comfy? Uh, what, what do you Snuggy. Snuggy. Mr. Snuggy. Colin. Snuggy on. Colin S. Newsday, my. My two good friends, I could not do this without them. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you guys listening through all of this. And uh, if you want to check out anything else Neil, Colin, and I do, it's all on newsday.com backslash aisles. And until after game three at Nassau Coliseum on Thursday night, when we hit you up with the landmark episode 100. Till then, happy hockey, everybody.